All right, glad you're with us, Sean Hannity Show. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. She's going to curse a lot, by the way, and she's going to take it out of me because I just yelled at him and she thinks it was unfair. Just telling you what happened. Uh, So you're walking into a hornet's nest with her. She says a lot of bad words. That's all. You know that ahead of time. You were warned. Go ahead. Put your mic on. Say it. Stick up for yourself. How you doing? Not at all. I would never want to argue with the boss. Exactly. Finally. I've been waiting to hear that all week. Which is why I continue to argue with you because I'm the boss. You know, you really pushed me on a bad day. Walked into that one, my brother. It's not been a good day. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Well, I got some breaking news uh, before I get to everything that is happening with the squad, the media, Donald Trump. Um, Oh, Joe, crazy, creepy, sleepy Uncle Joe is now saying, calling on Trump to condemn supporters. Well, the president already said earlier today the following. When your supporters last night were chanting, chanting, send her back, why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that? Well, number one, I, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It, it really was a loud, I disagree with it, by the way, but it was quite a chant. And uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this, uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly, but it started up rather rather fast, as you probably noticed. So, so you'll tell your supporters never to Well, say I, that I would say that. I, that I was not happy with it. Uh, I disagree with it. Uh, but again, I didn't say I didn't say that they did, but I disagree. But, with but they were echoing what you said in your first week. That they didn't go back. Well, I don't think if you examine it, I don't think you'll find that. But I disagree with it. I disagree with it. I didn't chant. I tried to stop it early. All right. You know, the problem with the media, now you've got to condemn them, your supporters. Now, a lot of this gets down into what is the real interpretation here. You know, one of the things, there's always context. There's always texture. Sometimes things are not exactly, well, why did the audience in North Carolina feel as they feel about Congresswoman Omar? Why do they feel this way? Now, Omar, by the way, she's not doing particularly well in the polls when the president has bad poll numbers. By the way, he has his highest Gallup rating ever. He's up five points in Rasmussen. The plurality of voters in another poll know that they're trying to call Trump a racist to bludgeon him for political purposes. So all of this is doing the typical boomerang that we always end up pointing out. The media doesn't get the harder they they, they can't help themselves. Now people see what's going on. It's every second, every minute, every hour of every single day. This is what they do. They wake up. How can I hate Trump today? Who can I use to bludgeon Trump with today? If it's Kavanaugh, I believe. If it's the lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, no, I believers. If it's about Russian interference in Trump, we need 17 investigations, considering the first four said there was no collusion, no conspiracy. Uh, as far as Hillary violating the Espionage Act, emails, top secret, marked as such, classified, top secret, marked as such, special access programming information on a mom and pop server because she wanted to bypass congressional oversight. That is a clear, compelling violation multiple felonies of the Espionage Act. Christian Saucier takes six pictures of 
a submarine, inside a submarine where he was serving his country. He spent a year in jail violating the Espionage Act. Uh, Then the media cares about obstruction of justice. Okay, but only for Donald Trump. There's no underlying crime. We had the FBI investigation, House Intel investigation. Then we had the bipartisan Senate investigation. And even the Mueller report can't be more clear. No collusion, no conspiracy. But there is no underlying crime. But Donald Trump did once say Mueller ought to be fired. This is a witch hunt. Rod Rosenstein needs to be fired. This is a witch hunt. Um, And somehow that's obstruction. But they don't seem to care about subpoenaed emails. Now imagine you get a subpoena. You're not allowed to delete the subpoenaed emails. And then you're not allowed to make extra super duper, super duper, ooper sure that they're gone when you use this bleach bit stuff that nobody heard about except thanks to Hillary Clinton. I wish I knew she was going to boost bleach bit. I would have bought stock in it. Because now everybody knows. Then you're going to have an aide bust up your Blackberries and your iPhones with hammers. And then you're going to rip out SIM cards. Again, they're all subpoenaed. That would be called destruction of evidence, obstruction of justice. Democrats don't care about that real obstruction with a real underlying crime. No, they don't care. This is phony, feigned, selective, moral outrage. It happens every time. Now... Let's analyze a little more deeply why were the people in North Carolina, now the president had said, well, you can go to back to your country of Somalia and you can fix the problems there considering all the things you're saying about America. And when you fix it, you can come back here and show us how it's done. That's what the president said. Now, what a lot of people don't know also is the president had done a couple of follow-up tweets where the president was very, very clear in saying that, well, you know, you don't have to stay in America. He tweeted out, quote, we will never be a socialist or communist country. If you're not happy here, you can leave. It is your choice, your choice alone. And he said, this is about love for America. Certain people hate our country. So the president had tweeted that out long before the rally in North Carolina last night. Now, there is a reason why Congresswoman Omar has a 9% favorability rating, because the American people are pretty smart people. They listen and they watch and they see what Congresswoman Omar has been saying and what she is doing. Now, there are polls out, by the way. I I, want to just make a special plea that Congresswoman Omar... And the rest of the squad stay. I want them to stay in America. I don't want anybody to leave. I want them to be a part of our. She's a citizen. She's elected. uh, People have elected her. She's a duly elected woman in the United States Congress. So I have no problem about the fact that her views and my views diverge. And we have very different points of view. I believe as a conservative, I can argue against any liberal. And I think because our positions are proven to be successful, i.e. Donald Trump, say his record versus Biden, Obama, 
Like, for example, we've got 7 million new jobs in America. We have the biggest tax cuts in history, the biggest elimination of, of burdensome bureaucracy in history. Uh, we had his promises on justices and Supreme Court justices kept. Uh, the president's fighting hard to build the border wall. He's negotiated better trade deals. Uh, he's done his level best to eliminate Obamacare. and We got rid of the individual mandate. And the funny thing about all of this is I'm watching the Democratic Party implode because this this radicalism is who they are. And the problem, you know, as you watch that, you know, Congresswoman Omar, the squad. Hang on. USS Boxer shot down Iranian drone. You got to tell me. But let's take the president. Yeah. I'm honored to be here with Prime Minister Mark Rutte of the Netherlands. Fantastic country, incredibly successful country. And so many of our Dutch friends who have come with Mark, I want to thank you all for being with us in the East Room of the White House. Thank you all for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so the president's at a press conference. Apparently, we just took out one of the Iranian drones, by the way, which was going to happen. One thing I can tell you about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is never going to say, I support dropping $150 billion on an on a airfield tarmac and cash and other currencies to buy the goodwill of the wonderful mullahs that chant death to America, death to Israel, burn the American flag and burn the Israeli flag. That's not going to happen. Now, it just so happens. So who are we talking about with Congresswoman Omar? And who are we talking about when we talk about AOC? Well, just this week, maybe you didn't hear about it, but Congresswoman Omar proposed a resolution that would offer people the right to boycott Israel. And then she went on to say the following. This is Congresswoman Omar. Americans of conscience have a proud history of participating in boycotts to advocate for human rights abroad, including boycotting Nazi Germany. Did you just hear what I said? She's comparing Israel to Nazi Germany. She's already compared Israel to Iran. You know, I, 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 she has also pushed the claim that Jesus was Palestinian and not Jewish. But that, that's nothing compared to the, the other comments that she has made. She has blamed America for us causing, for us, our involvement, quote, in other people's affairs after al-Shabaab was involved in a terrorist attack in 2013 on a shopping mall in Kenya. She blamed America for that. Now, Congresswoman Omar slammed the U.S., you know, and chuckled when when Israel's called a democracy. Well, they are a democracy. They're the only democracy with the greatest freedoms and our best ally in the Middle East. And she compared Israel to Iran. These are her radical views. Does not root it in truth or reality, but those are her views. Then we see all these other things about Congresswoman Omar that I think ought to really scare people. Why would the squad, one of the squad leaders, Congresswoman Omar, literally try and win leniency for nine men accused of trying to join ISIS. 
all this week we have played for you. Her joking and smiling about people saying Al-Qaeda and the way we said it and with the intensity of which it was said after 3,000 of our fellow Americans were slaughtered right down the block from where I'm working right now. In 9-11-2001, you remember those towers fell? Remember those planes hit? Remember our friend Barbara Olson was in that Pentagon plane? Remember the field in Pennsylvania? Because I haven't forgotten. And I walked down there, walked right up to the rubble, inhaling more dust than you could ever imagine. Or Omar claiming, remember what happened with Black Hawk Down? Maybe somebody needs to get a copy of Black Hawk Down. Linda, send Congresswoman Omar a copy of the movie Black Hawk Down. Not that she, you know, let her watch the movie. Because she claimed U.S. forces were responsible for killing some thousands of Somalis. And literally, American soldiers' bodies were being dragged, dead bodies dragged through the streets of Mogadishu. Now, I don't want her to leave. I'm just looking at the crap that she says, and I, not only is it factually wrong, it is scary in terms of its twisted ideology that she has, and I find it offensive as an American that she is saying these things about Israel, about people that want to join ISIS, about our forces after Black Hawk Down and their bodies dragged through the streets of Mogadishu. I'm offended by that. And I think part of what happened in North Carolina is the people that are engaged in politics know the entire history of all of this. And I'm not even talking about the nutty ideas of their real speaker of the House, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which I will remind you of when we get back. And Ocasio-Cortez and really crazy ideas that will destroy the foundation of this country. This 2020 presidential race, I'll say it every day from now until Election Day. This is a tipping point for this great constitutional republic. This is a do or die moment. This is a bit. This will be the biggest choice election in your lifetime. Fact. The choice is freedom, liberty, capitalism versus false promises, a power grab by the by the few in power and dependency and a destruction of the greatest system God ever gave man. That's what this election, nothing else, I mean, kind of otherwise just a normal election. So when you listen to the positions of Omar, Congresswoman Omar, when you listen to AOC, when you see the, the policies, if you have any understanding of history whatsoever. By the way, we did shoot down an Iranian drone, which makes me very happy. Um, and we're not dropping $150 billion in cash and other currency on the tarmacs of people that hate us. All right, so the president said and just uh, declared that a U.S. warship destroyed an Iranian drone over the Straits of Hormuz amid these heightened tensions. Yeah, that's just the beginning. And if they push further, let me predict what's going to happen. Donald Trump's not going to try and bribe them, meaning the Iranian Mullers. 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 That almost sounded like Linda. The Iranian Mullahs. What he's going to do is he's going to do exactly what he did in Syria 
and that's bomb the living hell out of them. That's what I predict he's going to do. Now, we'll see what choice the Iranian mullahs make, because they might make a dumb one. That might give us a chance to take out their nuclear facilities. That would be good for the world. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Yeah, the USS warship did take down an Iranian drone in the Straits of Hormuz. Yeah, let me just stay on this for a second here, because um, I kind of predicted at some point it's going to happen. So much was made of the media saying, oh, Trump is a, is a, is a cowboy. They expected him to go off half-cocked and just after our drone was taken out of the air to just start, you know, just bombing indiscriminately. Um, I think I have a pretty good track record understanding Donald Trump because a lot of you, even my conservative friends, said, Hannity, why are you telling us that you believe as a lifelong conservative that he is going to govern the way you say, that he's going to govern conservatively. I said, well, I've known him 20-plus years. It might be as many as well, 22, 20, I think at least 23 years now. I've known this guy. And you say, but wait a minute, he donated to liberals. And I said, yeah, I know. And, and wait a minute, he, 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 he was once pro-choice. I said, I know. And, and why do you believe he's going to actually keep his word? I said, because I know him. And, uh, well, I also know his views. We had passionate discussions long before Donald Trump ever thought about running for president. He hated the, the actions in Iraq and Afghanistan. And, listen, I, I, in my heart of hearts, I stand by my position today in a post-9-11 world where we lost 3,000 Americans and— yeah, the battle was in Afghanistan, but also we knew a lot about Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein did use weapons of mass destruction against his own people in the north. That would be the Kurds. So he already had them. If there was a mistake, in my, there's two mistakes I see in the Iraq conflict. One is the lead up to that war went on and on and on and on and on. And we needed everybody's approval. We need to go back again to the United Nations. It took forever. I kind of like the element of surprise. If you're going to hit them, you don't need to ask permission of other people to hit them. Just hit them and hit them hard. And the second part is, yeah, we ran into difficulties the surge was necessary. The mistake was that we can't have our national treasure ever again based on the political climate that it now exists in Washington, where everybody's gung-ho to start the war, and then when things get tough during the war, then people start backing out and politicizing the war, and in the process, we're losing our national treasure, our sons and daughters fighting the war. Now, we lost 58,000 American kids in Vietnam. That war became politicized. And same thing with the Iraq war. That war became politicized. And I kind of have a, a whole new uh, belief system because of the political considerations in D.C. on the issue of war. 
And that is, I don't see in this divided era, starting with Vietnam through where we are today, I don't see any other option. And this is what I think the president's doing, which is why the president took the deal and got that dramatic, massive increase in defense spending. Because the only way America in the future, what I would like to see, if we have to fight a war, I don't want to have to send America's treasure boots on the ground, banging on the doors and going into home after home after home in a a hellhole war environment like Iraq. We lost too many kids because of that strategy. And if we want to remain the greatest military power on the face of the earth, which, by the way, the world needs. You know, a cousin of mine just sent me pictures that I'd never seen before of my father in uniform when he fought in World War II. I'd never seen these pictures. Pictures of my father also with my grandfather, who I maybe had seen two or three pictures of. And that was a different time and place. America's military might beat back the forces of fascism, communism, Nazism, imperial Japan, and to quote the great Barry Farber, as I often do, there's never been a country in the history of mankind that has accumulated more power and abused it less. And my add to his great quote is, there's never been a country in the history of man that has accumulated more power and used that power to advance the human condition and the cause of freedom than the United States of America. So going forward, my my imagination brings me to this point on warfare where we don't fight wars going anymore. If we're going to politicize the war three months after we start the war or a year after we start the war or two years after we start the war and then there's pressure not to finish the war and win the war, then me have to rethink how and re-strategize and, re- and, and calculate anew how we're going to face issues of war and peace. And to me, that's where the American mind must come into play, the genius of our people, that we need the next generation of weaponry that is so powerful, so accurate, that any war we want to fight is going to be fought right from Tampa Bay, Florida, or pick your city, pick your state, and a bunch of guys that have the ability to push buttons and take out terrorists and take out the enemy and not have to risk American boots on the ground. That's how I think future warfare is going to be fought. And I think we also have to, you know, there's offense and defense in war. We've got to think of the defensive parts of this quotient, and that would be, well, we know the Iron Dome works in Israel, We've got to build defenses such as that if people are firing at us and they copy our next generation of weapons, we better be able to stop our next generation of weapons if and when it ever gets in their hands. And that would mean defensive measures. I know they made fun of Ronald Reagan. They called it Star Wars. So, you know, I'm watching the the president didn't go off half cocked after the Iranians shot down that drone. There's another factor to all of this. The Straits of Hormuz, which is where it's, it's actually very, look on a map, it's very, it's not very wide. But this is, you know, right next to Iran. And the Iranians know that the Straits of Hormuz strategically are very important because the free flow of oil at market 
prices hinges in the balance because of the Straits of Hormuz. Now, along with the biggest tax cuts in history, by the way, again, I'm back to the president. How did I know? Well, I knew he'd keep his promises, just like I knew he wouldn't go off half cocked on Iran. Just like I knew that he'd eventually hit back. Just like I can promise you that if he meets with Kim Jong-un or meets with Iranian mullahs even, which I think wouldn't be a great idea now, um, I know he's never going to try and bribe the North Koreans the way that Bill Clinton did. This is a good deal for the American people. No, it wasn't a good deal. They got nuclear weapons in spite of you bribing them. Or, you know, the stupid Iranian Biden-Obama deal, $150 billion in cash and other currency. Trump's not going to give them a dime. The only thing Donald Trump ever gave Kim Jong-un is his time. And what did we get back? Remains from the Korean War from the 50s. We got back hostages. Uh, We also got uh, an end to the, the daily missiles being fired over Japan and the threats to Guam and other other parts of the region only because he gave time. He gave Kim Jong-un attention and we got everything. And the only thing we gave up was the president's time. Nothing else. The president's not into bribing these, these dictators. But when he talks to them, he says, well, there's a better future for you and your people if you'll give up your nuclear ambitions. There's a much better, by the way, the Senate reached the deal to pass the 9-11 funding bill. John Stewart was right about this. I can say that firsthand. This is dumb not to, you know, these people have suffered. And I'll never forget broadcasting down at the site of 9-11 after 9-11. And it was like snowing dust weeks after it happened. I mean, dust. And they didn't have the right respirators for anybody. You know, they had those little white ones. It's like when I was stupid enough to spray paint a truck because I, I rented a barn with some buddies of mine and we used to fix and paint our cars in there. And there's this incredible automotive paint called Imeron. And I was stupid enough to, to paint a van, my van, that I paid 1500 bucks for with Imeron. It's like glass. And it was black with like gold um, glitter in it. I can't explain. It was the best paint job I ever did. But my lungs were burning for three months later because I was stupid. And there's scar tissue in my lungs because of it, which is stupid. But I was just a dumb kid. What did I know? We weren't weren't as safety-oriented then. Anyway, to finish my point. So I knew President Trump would do the things he said. Everything he said. He picked his Supreme Court justices, originalist, constitutionalist, from the list he gave us. He gave us the largest tax cuts in history. He gave us the better trade deals. He's fighting like hell and building the border wall. And the president uh, also made us energy independent. What does that mean for Iran? It means that we no longer are strategically, tactically tied to the Straits of Hormuz because for the first time in 75 years, America's energy independent and a net exporter of energy. That's all good. Now, let's go back to Ocasio-Cortez. Now, I went through Omar and her advocating for people that want to join ISIS. And, you know, we've talked about her laughing over the way we talk about Al-Qaeda and all the other crazy things that she's done and said. Well, I think that factors into the feelings of people in North Carolina last night. And the president is, you know, we're not telling people to leave. No, I, I don't agree. Send her back. No, we're not doing that. She's an elect, duly elected person. Now, here's why the squad is so dangerous p- 
politically because these are the words of the real leader of the Democratic Party, the one that is most influencing every 2020 presidential hopeful, the real Speaker of the House, Nancy Speaker in name only, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Let's listen to some of her positions. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is... Your, your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? How many years until the world ends again? We have 12 years left to cut emissions by at least 50%, if not more. Medicare for all would save the American people a very large amount of money. Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You make more than 10 million in one year. Your 10 millionth and one dollar gets taxed at 70%. Capitalism has not always existed in the world and it will not always exist in the world. Should, is it okay to still have children? But Kids. we're here to say that an agency like ICE, which repeatedly and systematically violates human rights, does not deserve a dime. Okay. So that was Ocasio-Cortez. That's the Green New Deal. That's why I say 2020 is the biggest choice election. It's a tipping point election that you'll ever have in your life. This is now going to be a choice between freedom and liberty and capitalism versus the apparent removal of all fear in every American's life. We're going to handle your guaranteed job, guaranteed preschool, guaranteed health care, guaranteed government vacation, guaranteed retirement, guaranteed everything, whether you're willing or unwilling to work. Why would we ask how to pay for it? Well, the world's going to end in 12 years. Why are we even trying? If the world's going to end in 12 years, let's just pack it up. Let's have one big-ass party, drink a lot, and celebrate the end of the world. I mean, what's the point? And, of course, we have no oil or gas under her plan. That's the... We have no oil and gas. We have no country. There will be every single thing. Our economy is based on it. It is the single biggest lifeblood of our economy. By the way, the greatest thing Trump did is make us energy independent. We're not as beholden to the Straits of Hormuz today because of it. And then, of course, all of this is free. 70% top marginal rate for individuals, 90% top marginal rate for corporations, then open borders, free health care for illegal immigrants, and no borders, no walls, and let's get rid of the Department of Homeland Security. This is the most powerful force in Congress. This is who these 2020 hopefuls are now adapting their policies from. This is really important. And I think that Ocasio-Cortez and the squad really achieve one thing. They show the American people how nuts the Democratic Party has become, how out of touch they have become, how, frankly, simplistic and, and unrealistic socialism fails. They will, they will offer you all the security in the world But in the end, whenever it's tried, just like keep your doctor plan and save money, well, many millions lost doctors' plans and everybody paid more. Imagine promising everything and no private insurance to go to. 
everything's prime. What happens when they fail then? Because in every socialist experiment, it ends up that the few powerful, they just distribute a few little crumbs to the rest of us. Every single member of this institution, Democratic and Republican, should join us in condemning the president's racist tweets. To do anything less would be a shocking rejection of our values and a shameful abdication of our oath of office to protect the American people. I urge a unanimous vote and yield back the balance of my... I was just going to give the general speaker of the house if she would like to rephrase that comment. I have cleared my remarks as a parliamentarian before I read them. You take it. Can I ask the words to be taken down? I make a point of order the gentlewoman's words are unparliamentary and risk ready to be taken down. The chair will remind all members, please, please do not make comments toward personality-based, personality-based comments. All right, that was the exchange the other day on the floor of the House of Representatives as they're going. Listen, all of this is backfiring. Now even Gallup has a poll today, top numbers for Trump on the issue. 49% of clear plurality of people say, yeah, they're trying to bludgeon Trump uh, with these allegations of racism. You know, one thing nobody talks about, and I mentioned it earlier, uh, Trump tweeted the other day, if you hate our country, if you're not happy here, You can leave. And remember specifically what he was saying to Omar from other countries. You know, if you look as we have gone through, and I'll go over it again if needed, if you come from a country uh, like Somalia, look at their laws uh, on abortion. If you're a Democrat, look at their laws and how gays and lesbians are put in jail. Look at their laws about a lack of freedom of religion or speech if you dare to ever criticize uh, Islam or the practice of Islam. Uh, Then you add to that Congresswoman Omar, you know, just this week introducing legislation supporting the right to boycott Israel and even going so far as to literally compare it to Nazi Germany Oh, excuse me, you know, Americans of conscience have a proud history of participating in boycotts to advocate for human rights abroad, including boycotting Nazi Germany. Anyway, so that exchange, that was Pelosi. And it's interesting because she's been accused now twice pretty much herself of being racist by the squad. But that was the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, Doug Collins of Georgia, um, who stepped in there as these tensions erupted on Tuesday after the House Speaker made that speech, and Collins said the very resolution violates the rules of the House since it ascribes a motive to the president, and they passed a resolution that they cannot read on the floor of the House, which shows you, you know, just how bad all of this is. Anyway, Congressman Collins of Georgia joins us now, and uh, if I understand correctly, you will be one of the people... Uh, one week from yesterday, if Robert Mueller decides to show up, that we'll be questioning him. Uh, let's start with what happened on the House floor. We can do that. Uh, Sean, it's great to be with you to talk about this because it just shows the, the absolute, uh, you know, just chaos that is the Democratic Party. And it showed completely on the House floor. I mean, their obsession with getting at the president is just overwhelmed everything that they do. And for the Speaker of the House to come down knowing that, that she could have she thought it was going, she would be too cute by half. If she'd come down and nobody was going to say something, but I'm sorry, 
you're not going to come down and accuse this president of being racist and not get away with it. And then when she tried to, and if you notice in the clip, she gets faster toward the end because I had stood up at that point. She knew what she was doing was wrong. And she tried to get it in and yield back before I made my point, but it was timely. And it just goes to show the American public. If they have any way they want to look at it, this shows you the, dis- the dysfunction of this. And she's the leader of this house. She should respect this rule of an order. Instead, she just trampled them. Well, agreed with, with all of that. And, you know, it's interesting because in the interview with Gail King, now she again charged with, well, you're, you're singling out people of color. Well, that's pretty much saying that you have racist feelings, correct? It's, it's, they're calling the speaker racist. That's exactly what they're doing. They're saying she's singling them out because they're people of color. Explain to me any other way that, you know, that, and, and that's what, and again, what the speaker is, is putting in a position of leading her caucus, and she's got four who are now co-speakers. I've talked about this for a while. AOC's been the co-speakers and she's sworn in, but now she's got three deputies with her. And look, I mean, you can have all the disagreements on policy you want, but this is getting to the point where the, the business of the American people is going downhill. That's why the president is winning. That's why the president is going to continue to win. That's why the economy is doing well, because of what we did last Congress, because there's not a darn thing been done this Congress that is helpful to the American people. Well, we can't forget, too, that Congresswoman Tlaib, she was unapologetic for the impeach the MF after she won her seat and Trump should be impeached, but she's been saying that from from day one. Then she blamed Pelosi for the squad getting death threats. And, you know, we're going to impeach the mf again. She said it another time. And, of course, we have Congresswoman Omar and her comments about Israel. Uh, She's not apologizing for them in any way, shape, manner, or form. And I'm just thinking, and then we have Congresswoman uh, Presley pushing identity politics. We don't need... Black people who don't want to be a black voice. She said that to the Net Roots Nation conference. Uh, all of these uh, people on the left, we want to talk about race. All right, let's look at Hillary Clinton's mentor, her stated mentor, the former Klansman Robert KKK Byrd, or J. William Fulbright, Medal of Honor from Bill Clinton, a known segregationist. Clinton also said, he is my mentor. You know, all of the people that have been coming to Harlem uh, here in New York City, and let's see, they go out to lunch. Usually Sylvia's with the Reverend Al Sharpton, and they're kissing his ring. And I could play, and I have played, a montage of Sharpton uh, that uses the N-word against David Dinkins, the worst, most disparaging thing you could say about gays and lesbians. And, and you know, white people were living in the caves while we were building pyramids. Uh, why do they want his, uh, I'm sorry, not pyramids, empires? I think pyramids and empires. Um, So and then, of course, Joe Biden's entire history and background now comes into play. So I'm I'm seeing a huge double standard here. How does it fall out politically? Well, I think it falls out politically and the people are seeing through this. But, you know, at first people, you know, they got they won the election last year. They came in. They made all these promises. They said, oh, this was going to happen. And then, you know, really what happens, they got here and they really just showed themselves for, for who they are. You know, look, we, I've been on the floor now three times as my role as ranking member of the Jewish Committee talking about resolutions like they brought up this, this past week. One was, was about racist comments the first year. The other one was the most watered-down, weakened, actually sickening uh, resolution where they were supposed to be condemning anti-Semitic remarks. And they, then they, 20 minutes, I kid you not, Sean, 20 minutes before I was supposed to build this on the floor, they were making and uh, adding people like Asian Pacific uh, people and others 
And, you know, the only ones they didn't add were, were uh, different races, and they didn't add uh, Christian Travel more who were being, uh, tor- you know, tormented or anything else. And they were trying to please everybody in their caucus. The people of the United States are seeing through this. You're seeing it in some of the polls. You're seeing it in people that I go home to outside of this beltway and the, and the uh, press that is so friendly to them. People are tired of this. They, they, they ran on saying we're going to try and make your life better, and all they have done is try to attack the president and, and not get away from their basically their socialist tendencies that they want to have government take over everything and government be a controller. This is not playing politically well with them. They're desperate, and this is why you're seeing what you're seeing. The dysfunction is palpable on the floor. They cannot even have a simple vote without them having to, to huddle. And I'd encourage anybody to watch, watch them huddle on the floor because they're trying to get their members to come together, and they just can't do it. Let me move on to a different topic. We expect, we anticipate that uh, one week from yesterday, in six days, that Robert Mueller will be testifying one before one before two separate committees. One of them would be your committee. You're a member of the a leading member, by the way, of people don't know, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee. That would be Nadler's committee, correct? That is correct. I sit right next to him every week. And aren't there rules, House rules, that uh, that demand that? Every member, if we have, if you have somebody that you're bringing into the committee, gets five minutes with the person. That is correct. And we, when he first negotiated this, he got rolled by the intelligence committee. Uh, I think someone you're familiar with, Adam Schiff, and Adam Schiff was just going to play whatever he wanted to play, and he rolled uh, our chairman. And we, I fought back. I said, "No, Mr. Chairman, you're not going to do this. You're you're disenfranchising members of my party, and you're disenfranchising your own members." So they went back and added some more time. All the Republicans are going to get to ask questions. I'm not sure about the Democratic side, but really, frankly, that's his problem, not mine, um, as they go forward. But, yeah, he just advocated. Well, would they have the ability to change House rules to prevent you and other Republicans from questioning Mueller? No, they don't. I mean, they, not without calling it adjournment. And right now, they they we're going to get all of our questioning in. We fought for that, and um, that's going to give us our side. Okay, so what are some of the top questions? And by the way, I give you a lot of credit because you were the only Republican that I know that actually took the closed-door testimony of people involved in this uh, biggest abuse of power corruption scandal in history, and you let us see uh, what was going on behind closed doors, and I found it very enlightening, and I think it's all now coming to a head. Michael Horowitz now is saying mid-August we're going to get the inspector general's report on FISA abuse, uh, by the sounds of what we now know, it's going to be brutal. Yep, I agree. I think the biggest thing we need to ask, and I think we've, we've talked about this, we got some great members, uh, Sean, on this committee, you know, that myself, John Rackliff, Jim Jordan, you know, uh, Andrew Biggs, Mike Johnson, there's a lot of folks that we're prepared for this. And I think what you're going to find is we're going to lay the foundation. We're going to say, you know, we're going to make sure that what, uh, you know, he said, uh, he said he stands behind. He's not trying to give any new information. We have to remind people he's no longer the special counsel. He's not coming here with any jurisdictional uh, role. He's coming here to simply report on what that he did. But it's going to give us a chance to say, okay, what did you say? What did you not say? And what did you not do? And I think those are the questions that you and I have talked about, many others have talked about, ranging from how did this get started? How did we, you know, discuss this? How did we find, um, you know, this this issue of, especially Carter Page and, and uh, Papadopoulos, and what you brought up with the Pfizer issue with the Inspector General, and then later on, uh, Mr. Durham, who's looking into this as well, I think September and the rest of the year is going to be very difficult for all the Trump uh, bastards out there in the world, because they're going to start getting a clear picture 
of what was actually happening and what I've called a very corrupt, high-level uh, cabal at the FBI. Struck Page, McCabe, Comey, and the rest of them. So I think those are the questions we're going to be able well, to Well, do you I see any possibility? To... Remember, Robert Mueller had a disastrous nine-and-a-half-minute press conference where he had already stated that Department of Justice rules and cons- constitutional considerations over whether they had the authority or whether they could consider indicting a sitting president were not a factor in his decision. And then he came out in that nine-and-a-half-minute press conference and left a very different impression. Uh, the media went wild, and hours later, a joint statement from the special counsel and from the attorney general Barr came out, and then and there uh, he pulled back and changed his views back to what they originally were. Do you anticipate yep. that he's going to do that again? Well, if, if he does, he's going to have some explaining to do, and he's going to have to do it with 17 members uh, from the Republican side who have been watching everything that they have done for the last two and a half years and bringing up why this has happened. So, look, if he he may go out and do nine and a half minutes in front of a, of a, a press corps that thought that he was the greatest thing in the world and he could say whatever he want to say. He can't do that in front of this committee. He's not going to be able under oath to go back and do something. And remember, and this is important, John, he no longer has any jurisdictional influence. Anything he says new he doesn't, he, is not something that he can do and carries no weight and actually contradicts uh, anything. Is it within his right not to show up? Does he have to show up? Would he be held in contempt if he decided he didn't want to testify and that his, his report stands on its own merits? Oh, good gracious. Uh, the, my, my chairman is so quick to do a subpoena and so quick to try and do a contempt. Yeah, they would try. They would hold him in contempt. Uh, look, they're desperate, Sean. This is the thing that you have pointed out so well over the, over the past few years, but they are desperate now. This is it. I mean, this thing happens next week. It goes like I believe it's going to hold. I told somebody earlier today, this is like watching it, uh, an old show that you used to love. It came back on Netflix. You said, well, I'll watch it again. And for the first few minutes, it was like, wow, this is interesting. And then you start realizing, wait. I've seen this before. I know what they're going to say. I know what they're going to do. And at the end of the day, we're going to be moving forward. So at that point, the world is going to say, and the American voter is going to say, Democrats, you had your time. And now all you've done is attack this president, attack this economy, attack what's going on, not move trade deals, not fix the border situation. And so the question that they're going to have to answer then is, why did we waste taxpayer dollars for the first six and a half months we've been up here for nothing except a basically a vendetta against a president who is doing everything he can to make America do exactly what it's supposed to be, and that's be the shining light of this country, of the world. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with Georgia Congressman Doug Collins as we continue. And as we continue with Congressman Doug Collins from the great state of Georgia. All right, so where do we go from here, and what do you expect from the House Democrats that are now controlled by the squad? (laughs) Um, I think that, well, finally, they're not going to be able to accept Wednesday, Yeah, I think, especially if it comes out like we believe it will, and nothing really new. Uh, they've been getting beat in court. Uh, the emoluments case from last week, I mean, other things, that they're, they're, they're losing out all over. Now they're going to have to do something, Sean, they don't want to have to. They're going to have to now admit that they're socialists. They're going to have to admit that their policies are not something uh, that is compatible with the, the oh. American value system. i got to tell you something. Congressman, this is now becoming a tipping point for this country like we've never had before. The biggest choice election in American history is 2020, and that's what's unfolding. Congressman Collins, the great state of Georgia, thank you, my friend. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. We'll get back to our top story, and that is uh, the president saying, no, I don't want people to chant, send her back, which, which by the way, 
if you look at his comments closely, that's he's just we'll get back into that. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Let's go back to the president and the president all right, disavowed the send her back chant at the rally last night. Um, here's the Democrats biggest, biggest problem. It's the squad. They know it's the squad. The Democrats were admitting yesterday that, in fact, the squad um, is hurting all things Democrat. The president is gaining more support, as we have in the Rasmussen poll, the YouGov poll that I talked about. You know, the squad resumed their attacks on Nancy Pelosi. House Democrats are, you know, they they tried to get Trump. Well, let's impeach him on. uh, We believe he's a racist. But the Democrats are privately grumbling. They don't know how to deal with the squad. Now, the problem that the Democrats have, they can make this about a crowd chant that the president said, all right, I, yeah, I felt uncomfortable. I don't want that. But when you look at who we're talking about and the things they've done and said, this now is going to come into the forefront. I know the media mob is going to ignore it. Omar literally when she was asked by Gail King on CBS this morning about some of these inflammatory statements that she made uh, earlier this year, do you regret any of your words? I do not. I'm like, okay, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to learn how my words made people feel and have taken every single opportunity I've gotten to make sure that people understand that I apologize for it. Well, the, the Democrats couldn't go after their own. I've gone through this history of race in the Democratic Party. This is not new. The race card every two, four years is now pretty much every second minute hour of every day. And, you know, just just take the latest example, because uh, Congresswoman Omar proposed just this week a resolution supporting the right to boycott Israel, the only democracy in the region And her resolution seeks to push back against U.S. laws banning the boycott of Israel, affirming the right of Americans to organize boycotts of foreign countries if they wish. Why is that such an important issue to her? Anyway, you even have Democrats. She said Americans of conscience have a proud history of participating in boycotts to advocate for human rights abroad, including boycotting Nazi Germany. So she's comparing Israel to Nazi Germany, as if somehow that that is a moral equivalent. It's like the concentration camp comment of Ocasio-Cortez we went through earlier in the program today. All of all of the nutty, insane, crazy things that that the squad has said over time. Lee Zeldin slammed Omar about the resolution, saying that she brought her hateful twist by Popping, propping up this boycott Israel movement. Israel is our best ally in the Middle East, a beacon of hope of freedom of liberty, surrounded by existential threats. And he said, shame on Omar. All right, so the the American media, they already hated Donald Trump supporters. They, they looked at Donald Trump supporters as irredeemable, deplorable, smelly Walmart voters, people that cling to their God, their guns, their Bibles, their religion. We already know that the media mob hates Trump and hates anybody that likes Trump. And there is a contempt that they're smarter than we are. This was like the super patriots, you know, like Comey and and Peter Strzok, et cetera. Now, remember, 
Omar is the, the squad is a problem now. Omar has a 9% approval rating. Ocasio-Cortez, good for her. She's at 22%. All right, we interviewed this woman last night who was absolutely amazing, a legal immigrant, and uh, we had her on Hannity. I mean, we'll bring her on radio, I'm sure, soon, but I got to tell you something beyond impressive, and this woman is responsible for losing 25,000 jobs in her district in Long Island City in Queens, New York. Uh, and by the way, where was uh, where was all the condemnation of the squad as it relates to Antifa this weekend attempting to burn down a migrant detention center? And nobody in the media mob, ABC, barely even noticed it. But you now have, it's going to be interesting to watch this race where you have Cherie Murray, a New York businesswoman, immigrated from Jamaica as a child active in state Republican politics. She told me last night there's a crisis in Queens and it's called AOC. And I think that she is correct. Now, there are a lot of questions that we can ask the squad, you know, given, for example, the attack against ICE. I mean, we played this. I'll play it again tonight. We had media cameras right there asking them what they think of the attack against this ICE facility by Antifa parroting the same exact rhetoric used by the squad or members of the squad about similar facilities as being concentration camps. When, when is the media going to ask for them to tone it down? The initial dispute with Democrats originated from their voting against the House Democrats border aid bill, the bipartisan compromise bill, and several of the squad promoted boycotts against furniture providers that work with detention centers. Well, how can you legitimately complain about conditions while opposing the aid and the resources that everybody wanted to give the detention centers. And if you now, if you could fully control how we deal with the influx of, of people, the illegal immigrants from Central America, although we now have a Democrat that has introduced legislation to ban the term illegal immigrant. And I'm not making representative Castro. You know, we've got to get rid of it. We're going to ban words now. Okay. Well, that's where the, the extreme radical Democratic left socialist parties headed. But if they can control, how, how are they going to protect our borders? You can ask Ocasio-Cortez, you know, for example, her chief of staff suggesting that, you know, they're enabling racism with immigration votes comparable to Southern segregationists in the 40s. Does Ocasio-Cortez agree with her chief of staff who even admitted publicly that huh, the Green New Deal was never supposed to be about anything dealing with climate. Of course not. It's what we've been telling you. It's all about an agenda. It's all about ending capitalism. Remember, she said she wants to control business. You know, she's defended comparing detention centers to concentration camps. All right, does will she go and visit Auschwitz? Will she look at the images of, of people in the concentration camps, those that were saved and those that were murdered? What about Omar? You know, they did a story raising questions of, about all sorts of things about her. You know, she, and, and we've talked a lot about, in particular, you know, her background. Omar once describing acts of terrorism as a reaction to us blaming America, our involvement in other people's affairs. She said that in the wake of the Al-Shabaab attack on a Kenyan shopping mall in 2013. That's not the only thing. Then she chuckles, by the way, for when Israel, she chuckles when Israel's called a democracy. Then 
you know, compares it to Iran. Never mind her own personal issues. I, I really don't have a whole lot of interest in it. But Omar questions the patriotism. She thinks she's more patriotic than American-born citizens. And then she goes on to blast America. And that's when the president said, okay, you can go back to Somalia. We've talked about what the laws are like in Somalia. They're pretty horrible. You know, you go to jail for abortion. You go to jail if you say anything against Islam or a practitioner of uh, Islam. And if you're gay, you go to jail also. Uh, that would be a pretty big deal here. And so the president said, all right, fix that. You're where you originally came from. Then come back here and tell us how to fix it here. Basically saying our system is light years ahead and so much more opportunity is offered people. And, you know, and, and the fact, I think that one of the worst things beyond blaming our involvement in other people's affairs for the terrorist attack by Al-Shabaab and on a Kenyan mall killing people you know, then, of course, claiming U.S. forces killed thousands of Somalis during Black Hawk Down. Does she not remember American soldiers' bodies being dragged through the streets? Or then, for example, empathy. She wants nine people. She stands up for nine people that wanted to join ISIS and wants leniency for those nine people. I don't want leniency for people that want to join ISIS. Convert or die and chopping people's heads off. Did she ever watch the beach beheadings? You know, I watched them all. I've, I've seen all of those videos of real-life beheadings. I've watched it because it's my job, and number one, many of you won't watch it, and to the best of my ability, I want you to know how gruesome it is because that is pure evil in our time. Then she got empathy for, you know, Islamic extremists, extremists joking about how Americans talked about Al-Qaeda and Hezbollah in a menacing tone. Well, how were we supposed to talk about them? Really, 3,000 of our fellow Americans were killed here. And all of this, you know, I, look, I know some people say, I think what the crowd last night was saying, send her back, and the president disavowed it and, and said basically he didn't like it and he started speaking quicker to end the chant. Um, and I believe them. It's, but I don't think that's what the crowd is saying. I mean, it's all about interpretation, I guess. Some would say, well, they're saying send her back. They mean send her back. I think they mean that they don't like the positions, she, the, the attacks that she's making and the people she's aligning herself with laughing at Al-Qaeda the way we talk about Al-Qaeda is not funny. There's nothing funny about it. The things she's comparing Israel to, Iran and Nazi Germany, that's not, you know, we're, we're giving food, medicine, water, supplies, baby formula, blankets, cots, pillows to the people that have entered our country illegally. And she votes against more aid that we want to give them, better way to say it. And when you look at all of this, well, how's it impacting the president? Well, the president's popularity among Republicans is up 5%. And I think that there is a certain righteous indignation of people when they hear this stuff. And I'm not even discussing the Green New Deal yet or what it would do to America and American society. 800-941-SEAN is a toll-free telephone number. I, I just, I, to me, it is so transparent and obvious what it was. But I think the president, on the other hand, let's keep it focused on the issues. I like that. And then the issues are, where do they stand? What have they said? 
Who are their allies? What are their positions? What would they do to the economy? What would they do on foreign policy? Even Democrats now know darn well that the squad is more powerful than the than speaker in name only Pelosi. And they're not going to stop. And that's bad news for them because they're controlling all the 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls. And let's hit the phones here for a All right, Joe wants to talk to the boss. So I assume Joe wants to talk to me. What's up, Joe? How are you? Well, hey, uh, how you doing, Sean? Um, what's going on? How are you? Uh, well, I'm doing good. It's really nice to talk to you, but I, was, I asked to talk to the boss. I was kind of expecting to get Linda answering the phone. Oh, Joe, you're a man after my own heart. And let me ask you, did you just talk to Linda when uh, when she screened the phone call? Yes or oh, no? Oh, you should announce that to Excuse the audience. Me. I'm screening today. Okay, so did you just talk Remind to Linda? them. Joe, did you just talk to Linda? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> I love this guy. You know, I'm you put know, him on every day. You know who you remind me of? Uh-huh, who's that? I did not have sex with that woman, <laughs> not a single time. I'm going to get back to working for the American people. That's who you sound like right now. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you what. Can I ask Linda a question real quick? Oh you, go, admit, oh, you go right By ahead. Means, we, we have less than a minute, though, so go. Oh, all the time you need, though, oh, no, Joe. Just, we'll make time for Joe. Uh, awesome, Linda. Hey, listen, I, I was just kind of curious. The reason I was want to talk to you is when are you going to get everybody moved down here to Texas? I mean, I know you're talking about Florida, too, but it's Texas is where it's at. Because my wife and I, you're you're the second, you know, most awesome lady that I that I know. My, oh, very one, my well wife, done, but, sir. Smart man. Oh, thank you. But but we my wife and I would love to take you all out for a cup of coffee when you get down here. I'm sorry. Did you say coffee? Coffee. Yeah, coffee. <laughs> Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is your your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? How many years until the world ends again? We have 12 years left to cut emissions by at least 50 percent, if not more. Medicare for all would save the American people a very large amount of money. Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You make more than 10 million in one year. Your 10 millionth and one dollar gets taxed at 70%. Capitalism has not always existed in the world and it will not always exist in the world. Should, is it okay to still have children? But we're here to say that an agency like ICE which repeatedly and systematically violates human rights, does not deserve a dime. I felt were very impressive. They're very committed. They're very passionate. They are very committed to making change that they think is better for the constituents who elected them. A lot of people believe that the right of Americans is to criticize the country without being uh, criticized by the government. That's why they threw the tea in Boston Harbor. It's kind of the very beginning. The very beginning of the American experiment is that you have the right to complain. The women at the center of the controversy say Republicans are putting the president first. Other than endangering the lives of these four congresswomen that he targeted in those racist tweets, do you believe he's putting, do you believe he'd have blood on his hands if there were a racially inspired attack? Oh, blood on his hands. Uh, What about all the people that say these horrific things about Donald Trump? Are we going to hold them responsible? Remember when the shooting occurred in the practice field? uh, And of course, Uh, Steve Scalise was shot in that incident. Others were shot in that incident. And uh, we saw some of the greatest bravery of law enforcement we've ever seen in our lives. But it was a Bernie supporter. 
Now, what did I did I go on the air and blame Bernie because some nut that likes him is a nut? No, I think people, the media in particular, the president had tweeted out the following just a couple of days ago. We will never be a socialist or communist country. If you're not happy here, you can leave. It is your choice, your choice alone. This is about love for America. Certain people hate our country. Now, I can go over chapter and verse, as I just did in the last half hour, every crazy, insane, controversial thing that have been said uh, by people like Ocasio-Cortez and the squad and Congresswoman Omar. I mean, why would she ever fight for leniency for people that want to join ISIS? Why did she laugh and mock the way that Americans talked about al-Qaeda after 9-11. There's nothing funny about it. She has, her, her hatred of Israel is palpable, as she even this week introduced, you know, a bill that you can support the boycott of Israel and goes into a comparison of, of Nazi Germany and the boycotts of Nazi Germany. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And then, of course, you can add to that, Moore, which is Ocasio-Cortez saying the detention centers are like concentration camps. Well, maybe we need a real history lesson on that as well. And maybe they can explain why the monies that were being appropriated to help with conditions at the border for all the illegal immigrants that are not respecting our laws and sovereignties that, you know, remember, we're, we're giving food, water, medical attention, supplies, baby formula, cots, blankets, and pillows. It's, it's not a concentration camp. People did not respect our laws and sovereignty, and they are being detained. That is what the law demands. And anyway, joining us with uh, much more on this, we welcome back to the program a rare in-studio appearance. She's made an appearance now. She's always on the phone, Danielle McLaughlin. What brings you to our wonderful studios today? I heard you were looking really handsome today, Sean. I just had to come in and see you. You know. <laughs> uh-huh, I'm, yeah, that's yeah, basically is, it. Yeah, Linda, way, Linda just, told me he was. She was like, he's wearing this great T-shirt. What I said. Right. Every week, she's like, he's got this. Okay, oh, actually, it's a great. It's, it's a actually NY got the pre- <laughs> New York Fire Department with, with a t-shirt. picture of the president on it. That's correct. Yes, that's and correct. The American so th- flag and the American flag, of course. That's correct. <laughs> All right, let's go to the president today. Um, he said, "Look, I didn't feel comfortable with the chance. Send her back." Let's go to the issue of the the president saying it earlier today. Let's go to where he said this. When your supporters last night were chanting, chanting, send her back, why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that? Well, number one, I, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It, it really was a loud, I disagree with it, by the way, but it was quite a chant. And uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this, uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly. But it started up rather, rather fast, as you probably noticed. So, so you'll tell your supporters never to Well, say I, that I would say that. I, I was not happy with it. Uh, I disagree with it. Uh, but again, I didn't say I didn't say that they did, but I disagree. But, with but they were echoing what you said in your first week. That they go back. Well, I don't think if you examine it, I don't think you'll find that. But I disagree with it. Now, the president was very clear when he said about Omar, you can go back to your home country. And then when you fix the problems there. Now, there are a lot of problems in Somalia, as you know, Danielle. You know that how women are treated. If they get an abortion, they go to jail. 
gays and lesbians go to jail in Somalia. Uh, we also know Congresswoman Omar accused Americans of mass murder in the Black Hawk Down incident. Not true. American soldiers were dragged through the streets of Mogadishu. Uh, we know what she said about those that wanted to join ISIS. She wanted leniency. She made fun of the American people as it relates to uh, how we pronounce al-Qaeda. Uh, but yet the, the squad is the most powerful force apparently in Congress today. America was built on dissent, Sean, as you know. We go back to the Declaration of Independence. We go back to the Boston Tea Party, right? This country was born on the, of the idea that you could have the right to speak up against government. And actually, she became a congresswoman, I believe, so that she could represent the people of her district and she could make a change and make a difference in Washington, D.C. My problem with this is that the go back to where you came from trope was said to Irish Americans, was said to Italian Americans, was said to Jews. This trope is a very dangerous trope, which I think runs counter to the idea that is America. And I say that, I say that passionately as an immigrant, as an immigrant who loves this country, who actually gave up an enormous amount, family ties, you name it, to be here. She did too. I think it's really problematic. I'm so glad that the president took it back, said that chant was wrong, but the next test, I believe, will be when he is at a rally and those chants start up again. Will he stand up and say, she has a right right to dissent? Because she does. But the president was clear. If you're not happy here, you can leave. The president was clear. Okay, you you don't like... Or you stay and you you try and fix it. And that's what she's here to do. Okay, if you don't like this country and you're anti-Semitic and, you know, you make fun of Americans, um, maybe you can go fix the country you came from, then come back and show us how to do it. I'm not going to defend anybody being anti-Semitic, but there's a difference between being an anti-Semite. You don't think, you don't think that, that Congresswoman Omar's comments about Israel are anti-Semitic? No, I think that she has said some anti-Semitic things that I think is r- problematic. I'm never going to defend that, but you have to have the right to criticize government. She has the that right to say anything. Country- she has the right to say anything so does the president that's true and the president and i think i think more of what we were seeing last night among the crowd was oh you you think this country's so bad oh okay i think it was more of a reaction to the positions and the things that she has said that most people find unconscionable jonathan gillum you know I, i here's one of the biggest problems i have with omar and the way that she has rolled into this position in Congress is that I think we need to be a bit more lenient when we have people come here, whether they're uh, immigrants, whether they are asylum seekers, because, and I've talked to a lot of veterans that are kind of uh, a little bit put off by the fact that she came from a country that we were at war in. She came here, she represents a vast majority of people that are from there, And knowing what I know about immigration, having been in federal law enforcement, a lot of those people were not vetted. And she immediately, upon her ability to get into Congress, immediately starts trying to break down our system of governing through these vile uh, attacks on the president, going against Israel, doing all these things that somebody who is from Somalia, who did not immigrate here and has these staunch views that they would have over there, would be saying the exact same thing. And I have a problem with that. And I think when the president said what he said, not only do I agree with him and the majority of people that I talk to as I go around the country agree with him, but I would say the same thing to her that I would say to a drug dealer that immigrates into the country. If you don't want to live by our laws, then you should go back to your country and destroy it because we don't want you here. And if she doesn't like this 
uh, country, and she doesn't like the way that our Constitution works, and she doesn't like our allies. She has a right to stay here. Look, we have, you know, she is now a citizen. She is a congresswoman. People voted her into office to represent their district. She has a 9% approval rating among swing voters. Um, I, I don't even want her to go. I want her to stay right where she is. I want her to keep expressing, and, and the power of the squad will continue to grow. Let it all grow. Let them let because they are now the single greatest influence. Every 2020 Democratic presidential hopeful has a a fear of the squad and all of them have adopted some of the views of the squad. Let's go to the highlight reel of, for example, uh, Ocasio-Cortez and see how Danielle responds to this. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. And your biggest issue is your your biggest issue is how are we going to pay for it? How many years until the world ends again? We have 12 years left to cut emissions by at least 50 percent, if not more. Medicare for all would save the American people a very large amount of money. Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You make more than 10 million in one year. Your 10 millionth and one dollar gets taxed at 70%. Capitalism has not always existed in the world and it will not always exist in the world. Should, is it okay to still have children? But we're here to say that an agency like ICE which repeatedly and systematically violates human rights, does not deserve a dime. Danielle, that's your party. Those are the leaders of your party. Those are the extreme positions of your party. Those are the positions that are influencing the 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls. Yeah, I mean, there are four votes in Congress, right? So I, I sort of... Oh, a it's, little big, bit like, it's bigger than that. You know it's bigger than that. I think Nancy Pelosi has a fight on her hands for sure, and I'm not going to pretend that this pulling to the left of the party is going to be a real problem for Democrats because middle America, people in the middle, independents, are not interested in far-left ideas and policies, just like the Tea Party didn't appeal to the middle of America either. Independents don't want extremes on either ends of the parties. Most people are somewhere in the middle. We want fiscal responsibility. We don't want massive, massive government interfering in our lives. Uh, We want some degree of social freedoms. I don't think we're all so different from each other uh, in the end. So I think the Democrats do have a problem with this division. I'm going to be honest. I'm always honest with you, Sean. But it's a long way to 2020. We what do you think? What do you go. think, Jonathan? I, I'm very happy to hear Danielle say what she just said because the reality is the, the majority of the country is not interested in far left politics. Uh, in fact, it's pockets within the cities. My biggest fear is that the young people have been indoctrinated over and over for years and years in uh, in the school systems and through media, and uh, just like the people that we fought, you know, for for. 18 years now over in the Middle East, those people, that generation has grown up knowing our tactics. They're going to be able to fight us better. That's what my fear is, that these young people who've grown up through the years of seeing these leftist ideologies pumped through schools, that they're going to grow up and they're going to be a force behind the people like this uh, squad of uh, American haters. That scares me. You know, I I really, I really, I love you, Jonathan, but I don't think any of these people hate America and I I can't bear it when I hear it because uh, to say that you hate the country that you live in um, 
it's just kind of beyond the pale. I do not believe that anybody, even in D.C., which is so broken on both sides, I don't believe they hate this country. I think that's extreme, right? We're getting all of this rhetoric banding around uh, and the idea that you hate this country, and I, I say this of my own experience, I have a different view to you, Sean. I have a different view to, uh, to you, John, but you think I hate this country because I don't believe the things that you believe? I'm no, glad of no, the opportunity you, to have these conversations. That's what makes this country great, actually. But I don't see you trying to change the country. I see you trying to be a part of fixing and, and doing these. We have a debate every week. We have some different ide- uh, ideas of how things should go. But these people want to systematically change the way our government functions because they don't like it. And that is the difference. When you go around and you talk to the people who migrated here, who came here as legal aliens, those people love what this country allows them to be and what it stands for. They don't want to change the country that they came to. These people, whether they were born here or not, those people in the Democrat Party do not like the way the government works and that is what people need to start focusing on. It differs from the way you feel. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. You know, one of the things that you cannot get away from is the questions that I was talking about with friends over the 4th of July holiday. And it's really simple. Is Donald Trump, is he going to lose any of those people that voted for him in 2016? Uh, you look at last night's rally, you, 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 you hear the passion of his supporters, To me, the answer is I think he's going to hold the greater, larger 90-whatever percent, if not more. Nobody gets 100 percent. Then the next question is, okay, you have record low unemployment, the best employment condition since 1969. You have record low unemployment for African Americans, Hispanic Americans, Asian Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment. Now, here's a question. Will the president's successful policies on the heels of the flawed, failed Biden-Obama policies of 13 million more Americans added to food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, will the president get the people that have benefited from his policies to consider him and, yes, go into a, a voting booth for him? I think the answer is yeah. Anyway, let's play. What is it about this president's rallies that the the Democrats can only dream of. So Representative Omar blamed the United States for the terrorist attacks on our country, saying that terrorism is a reaction to our involvement in other people's affairs. Her colleague, Representative Rashida Tlaib, characterization of 9-11 and said that members of Congress who support Israel forgot what country they represent. Cortez said that illegal immigrants are more American than any person who seeks to keep them out ever will be. Can you believe that? That's what she's saying. She described contemporary America, that's you, that's me, that's all of us, as garbage. Garbage. We're garbage. And they're so angry. Even yesterday, they went on the stage. I said, let me watch this. And the anger. They were trying to be nice, but it's hard. It's hard for them to do that. I just heard that the United States House of Representatives has overwhelmingly voted to kill the most ridiculous project I've ever been involved in 
the resolution, how stupid is that, on impeachment. I want to thank those Democrats because many of them voted for us. The vote was a totally lopsided 332 to 95 to 1. And I have to say this, and I'll say it just once. What happened to me with this witch hunt should never be allowed to happen to another president of the United States. Never, ever again. And obviously and importantly, Omar has a history of launching vicious anti-Semitic screeds. She talked about the evil Israel, and it's all about the Benjamins. Not a good thing to say. I don't know that we would have done any better, to be honest with you. I think we've done more in two and a half years than any president ever. First two and a half years. But could you imagine what it could have been if we didn't have the witch hunt? You said it. You said it. I won't say it because it's a hell. It's a terrible word. So I will not say that this guy said if we didn't have the. That's right. No, no, could you imagine if we didn't have the time wasted, the time and everything? Can you imagine? And you know, a friend of mine said, maybe you wouldn't have done as well. Is that possible? That could happen. Maybe we would have had too much time in our hands. Who knows? But I can say nobody in their first two and a half years has done anywhere close to what we, not me, what we've all done. Unemployment among Hispanic Americans, where we're doing really well. You know why? Because they want a strong border. They want it because they understand the border better than anybody. They want that strong border. They want that wall that's being built right now. They want that wall. And they really do. They understand the border better than anybody. And they don't want criminals coming in. They don't want crime coming and they don't want to lose their jobs they like the fact that their salaries are going up their wages are going up they understand it better so hispanic american the best unemployment numbers in our history asian americans the best unemployment numbers in our history And likewise, women, 74 years, so I'm sorry, women, I let you down. It's not in our history, but we're going to be there very soon. We're going to be there very soon. Women are doing incredibly, and women, the men are going to get angry. On the issue of everything, a lot of issues, Democrats have put the needs of foreign citizens far ahead of our own citizens. Nowhere in this world... Is there anything like what's happening with immigration, how bad it is? The Democrats' open border policies deplete our public services, overcrowd our schools and hospitals, and bring crime, drugs, and deadly gangs into our community. The Democrats want to spend more money on health care for an illegal immigrant than they do for a citizen of the United States. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez.
Check out her scores, by the way, with her new Green New Deal. The Green New Deal. Where did that come from? She's conducted outrageous attacks against men and women of law enforcement. She compared American border agents managing a humanitarian crisis that I always said was a humanitarian crisis, and they said it was manufactured. They don't say it was manufactured, and we're stopping it. And I want to thank Mexico. They've got 21,000 soldiers now stopping people from coming into our country. But Cortez, somebody said that's not her name. It's they said, that's not her name, sir. I said, no, no. I don't have time to go with three different names. We'll call her Cortez. Too much time. Takes too much time. So Cortez also, she said, essentially, Nazis are running concentration camps. And when Mike Pence went down just a few days ago with members of Congress and the media, and you looked at those so-called horrible concentration camps, they said, wow, these places are clean. Wow, they have air conditioning. They have water. The Democrat record on health care is one of deception and destruction. The last administration said, a lie. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor 28 times. A total lie. My administration is defending your sacred right to choose the doctor and the plan that you want. And we are offering plans up to 60% cheaper than Obamacare. And a lot of people are starting to figure that out. Better health care. And we'll also always protect peace. And you have to remember this. Are you ready? Because they give us a bum rap. Patients with pre existing conditions are protected by Republicans much more so than protected by Democrats who will never be able to pull it off. Pre-existing conditions. And you know, the job we've done on health care, it's not talked about, but we're also doing something. It's been phenomenal. We have 180 million people right now really happy on private plans. And you know what? They're going to be taken away. Under the Democrats' plan, all of those people that are thrilled where they went out and negotiated, crossed state lines, all of the things they did, they went out and negotiated great private plans. It's all going to be taken away from you under this plan. So these Congresswomen, their comments are helping to fuel the rise of a dangerous, militant hard left. But that's okay, because we're going to win this election like nobody's ever seen before. suggestion for the hate-filled extremists who are constantly trying to tear our country down. They never have anything good to say. That's why I say, hey, if they don't like it, let them leave. Let them leave. Let them leave. They're always telling us how to run it, how to do this, how to do that. You know what? If they don't love it, tell them to leave it. And now watch, I'll go back tonight. Oh, sir, that was so controversial. <laughs> sir. No, I'm just saying it's their choice. They can come back when they want. But, you know, they don't love our country. I think in some cases they hate our country. And they're so angry. Even yesterday, they went on the stage. I said, let me watch this. And the anger 
They were trying to be nice, but it's hard. It's hard for them to do that. The choice for every American has never been more clear. That's true. The Democrat agenda is anti-worker, anti-jobs, anti-citizen, anti-family, and anti-common sense. With the exception of all of those Democrats that voted for us today. We'll give them a point. They're fine. They are fine, and they, you know, you lose to them, it's different. It's okay. It's called normal political back and forth. But I want to tell you something. The Democrats are being so violent, so vicious, moving so far left. It's out of control. It's out of control. The Republican agenda is pro-worker, pro-jobs, pro-family, pro-growth, and 100% pro-American. We find a way. Gotta always find a way. Just this week, she refused to condemn the Antifa. These are bad people. You notice? You notice they always attack people that really have never been attacked before. They attack, and I don't want to be disrespectful to people that have taken a lot of shots to the face, but they wouldn't attack some of these people in this room. They're not attacking bikers for Trump. They're not attacking construction workers for Trump. They're not attacking law enforcement or military for Trump. You know, they're attacking a single man standing there with a camera who never got hit and never hit back before in his life. They don't attack the people that we wish they attacked. <laughs> that wouldn't be a pretty picture. That wouldn't look that, that wouldn't look too good for them. But they don't. It's very, very sad. Antifa, these are bad people. These are sick, bad people. Remember that. These are bad people. These are bad people, Antifa. But they always attack people that really can't defend themselves very well, right? They're not attacking this group. They're not attacking North Carolina. So it's amazing to me. You just listen to the president. You hear the enthusiasm of everybody. Everybody is like off the charts, excited, energetic. But, you know, putting aside, you know, the president attacking what it is that the squad stands for. It is the antithesis of what he stands for. The Green New Deal will destroy America. That's what's going to make this a tipping point election for the country. This is now freedom versus socialism, the great republic versus government control. That's what it all comes down to. There's no energy among any of the 2020 Democratic candidates. They will run on hating Trump. They will run on, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, we can't have Trump four more years. We tried everything to get rid of him. But is that going to serve the American people, especially after eight years of Biden-Obama? That's what this election is all going to be about. A tipping point, the biggest choice election in American history. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News. Yeah, well, of the latest America shooting down the Iranian drone, it was in self-defense, and many warnings were given. By the way, this is just the beginning of the fun. They keep this up. They have no idea what's about to hit them, and it's not going to be cash and other currency on their tarmacs, meaning the mullahs 
Also, we'll have the latest president said, yeah, we're not telling people to go back. We're not saying that they have a right to be here. Uh, and the media just trying to, to fuel this fire. The great one, Mark Levin, Carl Rove tonight. We got Mike Huckabee, Dan Bongino, Sebastian Gorka, Tom Pitton, Sarah Carter, and much more. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox. We'll see you tonight at 9 and back here tomorrow. Honestly, Sean and I talk about this all the time. When we move the show, we can't decide if we want to take it to Florida or Texas. In my humble opinion, I think we need to go to Texas just because I was already made an honorary Texan, as was Sean. The clothes are really fun, and I'm so pale, and I'm just not going to fit in in Florida. Well, actually, Linda got her Tecovis, uh Western boots, cowboy boots, and she <laughs> loves them as much as me. I want to rock them out. I just think the best part is, is I am now a fashion trendsetter. Which I'd never I been before this, in my life. This call became about you and you being a fashion oh, right. trendsetter. There's a lot wrong with this. A lot, well, actually. You know, there's, there's, you know, we can we can get Black Rifle Coffee Company down here too. You know, so you know. Oh my God! Just I that. just had a great idea, Sean. People, we're gonna leave radio. We're gonna open up a Black Rifle fan franchise in Texas and wear Tacovas all day long. That's our new goal. <laughs> I want to go, but I mean, I'm stuck here. My show, my contract says I must do the show from New York. But once we're done. Uh, once we're done. We'll go sell coffee and wear Tacovas. Okay. Well, I'm doing that now. All right. Got to take a break. We'll come back. Thanks, Joe. Oh, Joe, Linda's friend. I'm so sorry. That's right. 800-941-SEAN is our number.